You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. And today, we're switching things up a little bit this week. Normally... You guys know all offseason, it's Charlie who's been joining me for our mailbag episodes, our Monday mailbag editions of the, of the podcast, but we had a slight scheduling conflict this week. No big deal, just a slight little scheduling conflict. So we just moved things around and Charlie will be joining me later on in the week, but today I am joined by my longtime co-host Curtis and we've got some questions to answer. Before we do that, though, I just want to remind you guys that our podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall, your home for the hands-down best selection of Georgia gear anywhere out there. It doesn't matter what brand you like, whatever it is you like, they've got it. I'm a Nike guy myself. I just like to fit a little bit better. I know not, not everyone loves Nike. I do. Their stuff fits me well. It's kind of what I'm looking for, but my dad, for instance, is a big Peter Millar guy. I know a lot of you guys out there are as well. There's people like Cutter and Buck, Johnny O is another great brand out there, Nike Golf, if you're into that. Whatever it is, Champion, Columbia, whatever brand you're looking for, whatever is your thing, Alumni Hall has it, guys. Trust me, they do. They have so many things that other places just don't have. They have things that I don't see anywhere else, right? They, you just don't see it. They've got an incredible vintage selection that I really love. I've got this, I don't know how many hats I have now, like about 15 different Georgia hats. They're all the Nike golf hats that I really like, the dry fit stuff, and um, they got a great collection there. So it's just a no-brainer, guys. If you're looking to buy some Georgia gear, especially for the start of the season, if you're looking to get something for a special someone, if you're trying to get your wife more into football, one way to do that is to gear up, man. Like Every lady wants to look good, right? So if you buy her some nice stuff from Alumni Hall, I bet she'll be even more into football than she was before. So go to Alumni Hall for all of your Georgia gear needs. Be watching for all their flash sales. I mean, guys, it seems like every other week or so, they get a 20% off, 25% off flash sales. So be looking for those. Just give them your email on their website, and they'll hook you guys right up. Every purchase gives you points back in their Hall Pass Rewards program. For every $150 you spend, you get $10 in rewards cash you can spend on future purchases. It's tough to beat that, guys. I don't know anywhere else that sells Georgia gear that offers anything like that. Alumni Hall, they're unique in that. So if you're if you're like me and your entire wardrobe essentially consists of Georgia gear, Alumni Hall is absolutely the place to go. 
You can shop in-store in Athens in the Epsbridge Shopping Center or, of course, online at alumnihall.com. And I also want to thank you guys again for continuing to help us out with our five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Got a couple more coming in over the past couple of days. I think the most recent one was, I uh, got two of them here. got one from Christopher Pearson in Georgia, Nick J. I really appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to give us those five-star ratings and reviews. And also just write some really nice reviews, man. Just some really kind things you guys said, and we really do appreciate that. That really helps us as all the people that we're trying to encourage listen to our show, potential new listeners out there, they can see those things and that really encourages them to listen to the show. It also helps us with advertisers, things like that. All the things that we need to help continue to make this podcast happen. So thank you guys so much for that. And we're getting close, man. I think we're at 290, 294, 295, something like that. So we're right there, right on the edge of 300. So help us out there. If you haven't had a chance yet, that would be a really great way to help support the podcast on top of obviously listening to us here. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram, our new Instagram account. We've had it going for about three weeks now. And uh, we're getting more and more traction with that with every day. I know, obviously, we're still very new to it, but I'm getting better with it. We're up to over 200, like 200, almost 230 followers right now. So I told you guys that 200 followers, that first milestone, I would go on and do an Instagram live session for you guys. And I am going to do that. We're going to make that happen Wednesday night at 8.30. All right, Wednesday night at 8.30. We will be doing the Instagram live session. So if you're already following us on Instagram, you're all set. Just make sure you tune in 8.30 and uh, we'll be ready to go there. If you're not following us, make sure you do that so you can join us. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, if you're not on Instagram at all, if you're like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, give it a shot, guys. I'm telling you, even even if you just follow me, there's a lot more people to follow besides me, but if you just follow us on Instagram, we're gonna have a lot of great content for you leading up to the season. And of course, definitely during the season as well, we've got a lot of great ideas. We're gonna be rolling those out over the coming weeks. But uh, the Instagram live session should be a lot of fun. So make sure to follow us there. It's glory, at Glory UJ Podcast when you get on Instagram. Keep those follows coming. Uh, the more we get, the more Instagram live sessions that we will be doing. All right, Curtis, let's go ahead and dig right in. We've got a ton of questions to get to, some good questions. So I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right to it. And as you might imagine, Kurt, with the first scrimmage of fall camp taking place this weekend on Saturday, there's quite a few questions coming out of the scrimmage, and as is always the case when you're talking about scrimmages. It's almost always people that are concerned, a lot of concerns almost after every scrimmage. And that's, it's just the nature of the beast because when you're playing yourself and scrimmaging against yourself, well, if one side of the ball looks good, the other side of the ball is not going to look good. So it's just one of those things. That's okay. It's cool. It's what we had to talk about right now, so we will dig right in. Our first question, I think this is the big one, Curtis. This is the one that kind of – I don't want to say it shocked everyone because I know he wasn't there for the first two days of camp open about a week and a half ago, but news spread pretty quickly because the McGill Society people were there. I was not in attendance, but um, I, I know a couple people that were and got a got a couple people text me, let me know what's happening, and they're like, we don't see Gilbert out there anywhere. And so, of course, Kirby's asked about that when he gets up to do his press conference after the scrimmage, and he was pretty clear with it that, Eric Gilbert is not currently practicing with the team. So the question from Eli here is, what's going on with Gilbert? What are the chances he rejoins the team? If he doesn't, how does that impact Georgia's championship hopes this season? Are we looking at just another wasted season? So, Curtis, that's kind of where the mindset of a lot of people in the Bulldog Nation is kind of where their minds are right now. 
So how um, would you answer that question? Well, first I'm gonna start with the waste season comment and chat two right away. Uh, I got to question your belief in this team because right away we talked about it before. Rick Gilbert was never the make or break player for this roster. Um, right. You know, we talked about the importance he brings to the team and just his versatility and things that he does that other people can't. But to think that it's a wasted season right away without even you know, truly knowing the context and how long the kid may be out. I think that's a gross overreaction. Um, so I just want to start there because I just don't believe he's a make or break as important as he is. And then going into it, I, I mean, people, I'm not surprised in the fact that you guys got to remember this kid, everything he's gone through in the last eight months since he decided that he was leaving um LSU has kind of been like this you know a lot of it had to do you know people weren't sure about his grades and things and it really looked like he had to get his head on straight and that was one of the big things the reasons he was coming home and in all honesty I think Minshew is a very important topic that people I don't know truly appreciate how much it can affect people just like you saw when JT Daniels gave his interview about him going to see people you even saw people from the Georgia fan base being like no, that's just called overcoming adversity and kind of under you know, underselling it and kind of just dismissing sure. it. And I think that's a wrong attitude to have because it is a big, serious issue. So yeah, I want it can to, legitimately have a physical impact on you. Yeah, it can. So, I mean, I don't, I want to, like, I, I'm not going to really address if I believe he has issues or things because, you know, I'm not a professional and that's not my part. But I mean, think the big thing is it's not, a sh- like I said, it's not a shock because there were, there were warning signs. Not warning signs, but you could tell that he wasn't all 100% and everything is going on. So, and the thing I'll say is, I'd rather him be away from the team right now, getting himself in a position to where maybe he can be ready to be a contributor once he's ready, um, than trying to push through it, maybe getting worse. And then another big important thing is okay, if that's the issue, that's a lot better issue to have than a a physical issue where you can't overcome it. Oh, 100%. And, I, Eli, I absolutely appreciate the question, my friend. I really do. Thank you for the question. Thanks for listening to the show. Absolutely. Um, but I would just look at another part of this question. What are the chances that he rejoins the team? And I guess it's semantics here, but as far as I understand, he's still with the team. He's just not out there practicing right now. Uh, so I, I know that's, you know, that, that is kind of semantics there. But I wouldn't say that he's like left the team. Like he's still a part of this team. Like, it's I not like, like Coach Cochran who's really stepped away completely. Right. Right. Exactly. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I think like rejoins the team. It, it kind of sounds to me like oh, a guy. Is, I think of a guy like being suspended. Obviously, I'm not saying that anyone's saying he's being suspended. But I just I think he's. I mean, just listen to what Kirby said. You know, I, he's like we want him back. And, and maybe, so maybe you can say, well, he's not with the team right now. Maybe you can say that's fine. I just I don't necessarily view it that way. Um, and, and look, like, what's going on with Gilbert? Like I, I it's. I think Kirby said it perfectly. It's a personal issue, and I don't want to go any further than that. I don't know the kid, and people I talk to don't don't really know him either. But I, I think, and Kirby kind of alluded to it there. But I think you guys, I don't want, to, I, I don't want to like, if it's it truly is a personal issue. Let's just say that, and I don't really want to speculate any more on that. I don't want to throw any more out there. Uh, I think you guys, if if you follow closely, if you listen to Kirby's press conference, you kind of follow what's been going on. I think you, you're smart enough. You guys, you guys are smart. You know what's going on. Like you can read between the lines there. Uh, I, I, so here's what we do know. I know he missed like the first two days of camp, but that was primarily because there was an overlap with the uh, last week of last couple of days of the last summer school session, which he was taking a class. Had to finish that up. He, can't, he had he was practicing with the team. I mean, even let's look what Todd Munkin was saying. Todd Munkin was talking about him as though he was practicing because he was out there. There were pictures of him out there practicing. He's been out of camp. 
Um, I know for a fact that he's eligible. I, I That's not the issue. So I know some people were asking me yesterday, is is this the greatest thing? I mean, that had been the rumor, right, for a while, even like before he actually enrolled. Is he going to be eligible and that kind of thing? It's like, is it come back to hurt us now? Is he just not going to be able to play? It's like, no, that's I can tell you definitively that's not the problem. There's no scandal. Just like with, with Scott Cochran, there's no scandal. It's nothing salacious like that. He's just dealing with some stuff, right? And Kirby's right. It's just a personal thing. So um, how long that takes, I, I don't know. I do think, like, Kirk, don't you think he will be, like, okay, let's just say for argument's sake that he's not with the team right now. If we want to say that, use that phrase, that's fine. What are, like, how confident are you that he will be back with this team practicing at some point this year? I'm pretty confident. And the reason I say that is through all the grades things and everything, he's kind of persevered through all that. And the fact is, yeah. if, if he didn't want to be out there. I don't think he would have gone through everything he's had. You know, he had to do a heavy load of summer school and he had to get really good grades. I believe that uh, this past spring semester. So the guy has put in a lot of work and I don't believe he would have done that if he wasn't trying to get back out there. I think that's a great point. I want to, I want to commend him. I want to give this guy a lot of credit. I know people, you know, especially rival fan bases, you know, want to look at him and say, Oh, you'll make fun of him for his grades. And the fact that he was, he was in that situation and had to take all those classes and that kind of thing. But this guy has had to work really, really hard just to get to this point where he can play. And I, I think he should be commended for that. And he's taken a lot of heat on social media, which is just a carnival fun house of reality. But that's what happens. I mean, even when he when he left the state to go to play LSU, he took some heat for that. Then he wants to go to Florida initially or commits to Florida uh, with the transfer and took some heat for that. And then he decides, okay, that's not my best interest. And decommits and he got a lot of heat for being wishy-washy and all that kind of stuff. So he's dealt with that all the while, also trying to get his grades where they need to be to make sure he's going to be eligible for this coming season. He's worked hard. He's earned the right to play. He's done what he's got to do. So I think he deserves to be commended for that. And I think he deserves to be commended for for saying this is the right time to maybe just take a step back for a minute. But I, I am confident that he will be back, like you said, Curtis, at some point. I, I have no idea, guys. I don't know if anyone knows when that will be. I'm hopeful. Um, really not even just for our sake, just for just for him. I hope, I hope his issues get cleared up or he gets some under he, he feels better. Let's just let's just say that. Let's just hope that he's in a better place and to where he can get back with us um sooner rather than later. But I'll go back to what you said at the very beginning, Curtis, to answer that last part of the question. How does this impact Georgia's championship hopes? It doesn't help, all right. I mean, I think that's fair to say it doesn't help us that Ari Gilbert is not currently practicing with the team, but I'll go back to what we said, what I said when he first transferred in. Like, one of the big questions we got, because him and Darian Kendrick, their announcements were like back to back. They were announced like very, very close, almost at the same time. And one of the questions we got was, which transfer is more important? And Curtis, you and I were both in agreement saying it was the Darian Kendrick transfer, right? And it's not that yeah. Darian Kendrick has a higher ceiling as a player, that he's a more talented player. It's not that. It's just that what the position he was going to play and the need he was going to fill was a much bigger need. And what I said all along was that Arik Gilbert, as talented as he is, as big of a matchup problem as he poses for defenses, he was far more of a luxury for our offense than what a guy like Darian Kendrick was for our defense. He was a luxury. He is a luxury. It's gonna. It would be great to have him. I want him a part of our team. He makes us a better team when he's on the roster and he's playing and he's healthy and he feels all, all those things. He makes us better. But I don't think it demonstrably lessens our chance to win a title. And here's the question I would ask you, Curtis. This is the way I've been thinking about it. Did you think that we were a national title contender before Arik Gilbert came in? I think it was like the end of May. Did you think we were a national title contender before that happened? 
that day, yes, because that was the same day Darian Kendrick committed. Once he committed, I felt a lot better because my biggest question mark was the defense. Sure. I, that's fair. I, even with, without Kendrick, I still felt like we were a t- national title contender. I felt like we would get, I knew we were going to get Kendrick. I felt strongly about that. Um, but even before I, like, the, the Kendrick stuff didn't really surprise me. The Gilbert stuff kind of surprised me, kind of came out of, I don't want to say a thin air. You'd heard some things. I was like, I'm not so sure about that. But I felt, you know, back in March and April, I've been telling you guys, I think we have a national title contender on our hands. I, I, I firmly believe that. And I believe that before Eric Gilbert. So if I believe that before Eric Gilbert, or Reed Gilbert, I should say, Although Kirby called him Eric again, so I don't like, I don't even know what to call him at this point. But let's just say Gilbert. Um, if I believe we were a national title contender before he transferred in, before he made that announcement, well, we're basically just back at square one where we were before him. And I thought we were a national title contender then. So I, yeah, even without him potentially, I still believe we were a national title contender. Again, he's a luxury. I want to have him on the team. I think he makes us better. But we still have plenty of playmakers on this offense that will allow us to put up better numbers, be more explosive on offense than we ever really have been, especially under Kirby Smart, to the point that I think we can contend for a national title. So I don't think it really has a major I – I'm not going to say it, it doesn't have any impact on our championship hopes because, again, I think we're better with him, but I still think we are clearly a national title contender, even without Gilbert. And, I, and, I, and we might not be without him. That's a strong thing to say. We might not be without him. Right now, three weeks before the start of the season – we're, we are without him, but it doesn't mean that we're going to be without him. Especially since he's been practicing. It's not like he hasn't stepped foot out there the whole time. You've already alluded to the fact that Monk and then we're talking about him already in practice. So the fact is, it's not like he's been out the whole time. Right, exactly. And honestly, how much of an impact did we expect him to make in week one anyway? You know what I mean? This is a guy that wasn't here for the spring, Was has been working hard all summer. He's been out there working with the team, obviously, but he's also been working really hard with his grades and school and classes and all that kind of thing. And he's learning. It's not all the, the, the scheme necessarily and the, the concepts aren't brand new to him, but the, the language, the terminology, the verbiage, that's all new to him. So how much did we expect him to come in right away in week one and, and be a dominant player. I mean, maybe some people did. I honestly didn't expect that. I, I didn't expect him to start against Clemson. I expected him to play and have some packages for him, have some things that, that he could do that that could that we could exploit some things for, from the Clemson defense. But I didn't expect him to start. I really didn't. So I don't know. I just – I'm not – I know people are saying, are you just downplaying this? I'm not trying to. I'm just telling you. I, I, go back and run the tape from earlier in the offseason, guys. I said straight up, he's a luxury. I'm really glad we have him. He's super talented. But he's a luxury, and I, I I still kind of feel that way. I think we're okay without him, especially with a guy like oh I don't know Brock Bowers kind of doing some some very impressive things in fall camp, kind of just continuing what he was doing in, in spring practice. All right, so uh, yeah, I think that kind of answers that question pretty well for the most part there. But we're not done with fall camp. We're not done with the first scrimmage here. Got a couple more questions. Sam, appreciate the question, Sam. Sam asked, how concerned are you about our wide receiver depth right now? So Kerr, I, I know you know this, but just in case anyone missed this. You didn't see the reports. Obviously, um, Jermaine Burton did not participate in the scrimmage. Kyrus Jackson, who's been dealing with uh, – he had his knee scoped uh, a couple months ago, and so he hasn't really been cleared 100% for full contact yet. So he was out. Obviously, Gilbert was not there. So, Curtis, how concerned are you about our wide receiver depth right now? Um, I'm not super concerned because Kirby kind of mentioned – I believe he alluded to the fact that all these guys are in a position where they will get healthy. Um, it's not, once again – the situation of where they're weeks out and things like that. And I think especially Kiaris, who's been around, 
uh, for multiple years. He's not, I mean, spring practice, of course, I mean, fall camp's, of course, important, but he's the type of guy that has been around it and kind of understands the, uh, you know, the terminology and everything you're talking about with Gilbert, and that's something that he understands. And I think the biggest thing is that I think it actually is important because people like Brock Bowers, um, Ladd McConkey, people like that who you hope that you don't have to rely on, but the fact is now they're getting important reps to get themselves in a better position to where they're feeling like they know what's going on. A guy like Marcus Rosemary Jackson who missed all of spring with an injury, right? Justin Robinson missed a lot of spring with an injury. These guys are getting more reps now. That's huge. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Curtis. Like I, Look, here's what I would say. It's a great question, Sam. I, the, what I would say is I'm not not concerned. Does that make sense, Curtis? Like, I won't say yeah. I'm not concerned at all, but let me also preface that by saying – well, it's not preface. Let me also add to that that I, uh, I'm always worried. Okay, that's just kind of how I operate when it comes to Georgia football. Um, I'm a very – in my regular life, I'm not I, I'm not like a super nervous Nelly kind of guy when it comes to Georgia football, and because that's just how much I care. Um, so, yes, I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to Georgia football. I get very nervous. I, I've told you guys this before. My The way my mind works when it comes to Georgia football is I prepare for the worst and just hope for the best. That's how I kind of that's kind of how I've been conditioned over the years. So yeah, I I'm not I'm not not worried, but I've also seen this before. We've been in this position in fall camp before, and it's not necessarily wide receiver, but other positions, and things are just fine. Um, the reason I'm not like freaking out about it right now, I look, I would prefer Kiaris Jackson and Jermaine Burton to be out there right now. I would prefer Dominic Blaylock to be fully cleared to practice, 100. He's doing a lot of things out there, but he's not fully cleared. I would prefer all those guys to be ready to go. I'd prefer George Pickens to not have an ACL injury, right? But that's not the situation. But all things considered, outside the George thing, I don't – we're not in bad shape, guys. Like, I was told that Jermaine Burton could have could have scrimmaged if we really wanted him to. Like, he could have gone. Uh, he's dealing with a mild ankle sprain. I think it was the first day of camp. He sprained his ankle, and it's a very mild sprain. And I was told he could have gone, but there's just no need to push it. There's just no need to push it right now. Why would you do that? You kind of know you kind of know what you have in Jermaine Burton, right? Really, what you want to do right now is you want to kind of just build continuity between your receivers and and your quarterback. That's what, if anything concerns me, is that because I'm not concerned about these guys getting back for the first game. Are you, Curtis? I think they're all going to be back for the first game. Yeah, no, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, like Jermaine Burton, guys. Unless something else happens, what he's the injury he's dealing with right now, he will be fine. He, I, I mean, I actually was told he's probably going to be ready to go almost the, the beginning of this week. Uh, he's going to play in the first game unless something else, knock on wood, happens. So Kiaris Jackson is going to get cleared. He's going to be ready to go. So I'm going to play like I'm not as confident there. I'm not as sure, but I'm hopeful early in the season. So they're going to, they're, we're going to be fine. We're talking about some minor things right now. We're just, it's like an abundance of caution type deal. What kind of, if there's anything that concerns me, what concerns me is the building continuity. When you are playing a team, the caliber of Clemson in week one, you want to be hitting on all cylinders. Now, very few teams are hitting on all cylinders in week one, coming out of fall camp. But you want to be hitting on as many of those cylinders as you possibly can. You don't want there to be any rust between your projected number one wide receiver in Jermaine Burton and your top court, and your quarterback in, in JT. You don't want there to be any rust. You want those guys to be on the 100% exact same page. And, guys, Jermaine's been going – he's been running routes and doing stuff in practice. Kears has been doing seven-on-seven seven stuff. So they're, they're working on that in practice. You just don't need to have those guys out there in a full contact scrimmage situation. It's as simple as that. So – um, again, Sam, good question. I would say like, I understand why you would be concerned. I would again say I'm not not worried. I'm not like completely just like, oh yeah, no problem. Because I do want that continuity to continue to be built. And I think those scrimmage situations are really important when you get in those competitive situations. But I'm not, I'm still not freaking out now. Uh, unless something else happens, these guys, they'll be fine week one. And uh, I think you're right, Curtis, a great point. Some of these other guys like AD Mitchell, 
Justin Robinson, Bowers, all these guys, Arian Smith are getting more opportunities than they had before, which will help those guys grow up faster, get back up to speed, and be maybe even more ready to contribute than they would have been otherwise. So I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm not okay with it, but I'm not freaking out about it. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, next, I think this is our last question about camp. Um, so this is from Edward. Thank you for the question, Edward. He says, I know you are confident the offense would finally change this season and become a championship-type offense, but how much do you still believe that to be the case after the lackluster first scrimmage? So, Kerr, I think this is kind of directed at me, but I'm going to let you open this one. Um, well, first off, with those aforementioned injuries, do you really expect the offense to be clicking at um, – Full speed. We'll go. I mean, especially in the, like you just said, the very first scrimmage and all these guys are out. And on top of that, okay, a couple other things. You're going to, you're going against a defense. It's your own defense who knows everything that you're doing. They know every set. They know every tendency. They know all, they've seen it over and well, over. And, and, and I over think that's again. also just a ridiculous assumption. I mean, if you read the reports out of the Clemson first scrimmage, the defense absolutely dominated it. The offense had turnovers, had uh, penalties, all these things. So, yep. Um, uh, it, I think that you might want to give it a couple weeks before you try to get people out here eating crow, to yeah. be honest, like wait till you have the players back and you're also not in a scrimmage setting where someone, like you've said, knows all your tendencies, knows the kind of the, the language and things for audibles and all those things. Um, I'd wait cause uh, with all these injuries and things you, you mentioned people that are out there, those aren't the guys that are going to be the guys going up against the number one defense. And also through this out there, guys, this was the McGill society scrimmage. So what the McGill society is um, the higher, higher donors, right? I am not in McGill society. I'm not a high roller like that. I know a couple people are, um, I was not at the scrimmage. I've been at some scrimmages before. I haven't been at, I was not at this one. Um, but when that happens, when you have those people out there, it, it's a very vanilla scrimmage. Let's just say it's that. completely watered down. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's just say that it's, it's, we're not out there showing anything. That's just, it's just not going to happen. Cause they, like guys, I mean, they, they know, they don't even, they don't confiscate phones when you go in there for a scrimmage. If you're, if you're in the McGill, if you're in the McGill society or you're a guest of someone in the, in the McGill society, they don't confiscate your phone. You can get out there and take pictures and 
do videos. They tell you not to do that. So if they say, hey, please don't just help us out and don't do that, but people still do. I mean, you just look over and this guy's on his phone. He's recording something. It's an, it's an, who, who knows who, right? So Kirby's not an idiot. He knows that, but he also knows he needs these guys to give him money so they can keep building facilities and recruiting lights out and all that kind of stuff. So that's a man. It's one of the perks, one of the things you get, one of the benefits. Um, so he just, we're just, we weren't going to do anything. Like, we're just be as vanilla as possible. It's so almost like a glorified, it's even a, a lesser version of G-Day. Like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, yeah, and almost anyone who's been to one of these streamers will tell you, yeah, you, you, see, you see less than you see a G-Day. And you guys have all seen G-Day, so you kind of imagine how vanilla it is. So I know you guys are sitting there just saying, you know, we're being homers and making excuses, but we're just trying to add context to the situation here, right? So it's, it's very clear. We're, we're, a lot of guys that are going to be key players were – injured or just held out with minor minor injuries right now you're going to get stevenson who's everything you do they know everything everything you're going to check to when they do different things schematically um you have the McGill society people there so you you want to be vanilla like i would just say don't be very careful don't draw definitive conclusions just like you say don't draw definitive conclusions off of g-day well if it's more vanilla than g-day why are you drawing definitive conclusions off of the first fall scrimmage in this setting i just i would just caution against that right and you're right curse if you read the, the the stuff about Clemson's scrimmage last or on Saturday, it's an eerily similar situation. But I don't think that like anyone in the Georgia fan base is saying, oh my God, Clemson's not going to be good on offense. Like, we know Clemson's going to be good on offense. And guys, we'll be fine. We'll be fine on offense, okay? We'll be fine. And I imagine things will change. Uh, I, I, some of us might be seeing a little bit of a different tune after the next scrimmage. Now, I, I can't predict that, but if we get some guys back healthy and we're, we open things up a little bit more, I think you might hear a little bit of a different story coming out of the second scrimmage. We'll see, but I'm just I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I still think we're going to be much better on offense than we have been under Kirby Smart and maybe by a pretty good margin this year. I still believe that. All right, moving on, getting away from the first scrimmage of the fall. Daniel has a question. Thank you, Daniel. He asks, who do you think will be the biggest impact freshman this season and who will make the biggest year to jump? All right, Kurt, let's start with the biggest impact freshman. There's two people that come to mind for me. If you take one of them, I'll take the other one. Okay, well, I'm going to start with A.D. Mitchell. I think that's the biggest no-brainer of the group, um, yeah. just based on the spring practice he had. I mean, I think that's who you've got to go with as someone that you're I mean, he was out there as a starter yesterday. Now, I don't know if he'd been out there as a starter if Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson are both healthy. But here Kirby saying, I was also told this, too, like he was out there taking almost every single rep. And that's he's been doing a lot of that during the entire camp to this point. Yeah. So he's. I'm not saying he's going to start week one. He's going to play a lot though, Kurt. Is it fair to say that at this point? I think so. I mean, and I don't think that's out of like the fact that we don't have better players. I think the guy's just coming in really. He, you know, he took he took that year off his senior year to just get himself better with COVID and maybe whatever's going in his um where he played. I don't know what was going on in the state, but the fact is the guy has got himself in a position to play. Yeah, I, I think he's just that good. I think it's that simple. He's just that good. I know people don't want to believe that because it's like. Well, he's only a three-star. Um, sometimes, guys, coaches know what they're talking about, and they know what they're doing when they evaluate players. Well, especially and in a COVID year. Be, yeah, yeah, exactly. In a COVID year, sometimes they just they just know what they're talking about. because they. I mean, I don't know. They do this professionally, right? I'm not saying they hit on every guy that they evaluate as a three-star, but they evaluated this guy, liked him, offered him, and, huh, he's, he's, he's doing good things for us right now. So I know people look at the three-star thing like, man, I don't know if I really believe that. Trust me, guys, they do can play. They do can play. Um, yeah, he can play. So, yeah, that's the that's one that came to mind for me. The other one for me is a guy that I've been on since the beginning and you are probably tired of hearing me say this, guys, but I'll say it again. Brock Bowers, remember the name. I think A.D. Mitchell Curtis is probably a better answer right now because 
you still have Darnell Washington there. And um, I mean, we're, we're going to use a lot of 12 personnel. And you have Fitzpatrick as well. Um, but Fitz was hurt. He's was out a little bit on uh, Saturday as well. But Bowers is going to play. He's going to play a lot. He, he can play inline. He can play like the F position, like H back. He can play out wide, X. We've been moving around. Basically, he's been playing almost every skill position except running back right now for us. That's what he's been doing during camp. Our coaches would love him. They're very high on him. He's an incredible athlete. Um, he's not – and somebody asked me on – I should, probably should include this question. Somebody asked me how, kind of how to compare him to Gilbert with Gilbert being out. Like, can he fill in for Gilbert? And I was like, yeah. I mean, he – Kurt, maybe I'm crazy. And tell me if you think I'm crazy. I, I think you could argue that he's a better athlete than Gilbert. I think he is a better athlete. I think he's faster than Gilbert. I know he is based on 40 times. Based on a 40 times, he's faster. I think he's a little twitchier than Gilbert. He's just not as big as Gilbert. Is that fair? Yeah, he's like more athletic, just not the freak that Gilbert is when you look yeah, at the he whole just, He doesn't have quite that size athleticism combination. He's, just, he's big. Yeah. He's just not that big. Yeah, he's just not so, the freak, but it's He's not, it's not that he's not athletic or anything. Yeah. And it's not that he can't pose matchup problems for him. So he will. So I, I mean, I'm extraordinarily high on Brock Bowers. He will make plays for us. He's going to help us win football games this year, just like AD Mitchell is going to help us win football games this year. All right. Uh, next one here, Curtis. Um, or I guess the same part two of the same question. Who's going to make the biggest year to jump this year? So that 2020 class of a freshman last year. Oh, God. That's a tough question. We've got two guys going. I'm going to go Kendall Milton. Yeah, so I thought about Kendall. Um, the only reason I, I – that's a good answer. It's not, I think Kendall might well, be the thing, top the, thing, the reason I go with him is the other guy I was thinking of had a really good freshman year to where Kendall's was had injuries and some of these things like that. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm going to go wait. I'm going to go towards Kendall. Fair. Yeah, I, I think Kendall's probably the best back on the team right now. We've said that before. I think he might be getting – I think he might be starting by the time the season's over. But it's just a couple guys ahead of him right now. It's the reason I didn't go with him. Um, who, who was the other guy you were thinking of, just curiously? I'm thinking Jermaine Burton, um, you know, getting a spring practice, a fall practice, getting more time with JT, getting more time in the system. Like he didn't yeah. truly know the system either last year. So that's why I'm going with him. But I didn't because, like I mentioned, he ha- you know, he almost set that record in yeah, one game. So it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah I, so I was going to go Jermaine Burton. Um, I, think, I think Jermaine Burton's still a good answer because he was good for us last year, almost set the single game receiving record against Mississippi State. We know that. But – I think we're going to see Jermaine Burton take it to a different level. I think we're going to see Jermaine Burton, like legit number one wide receiver, Jermaine Burton. He wasn't that last year. He was lost for the first part of the season, uh, really came on late. But I think we're going to see Jermaine Burton, I don't say the height of his powers, but I think we're going to see a vastly improved Jermaine Burton, and more confident Jermaine Burton, a guy that's just going to make play after play after play for us. So I think he's going to make a huge jump. Should get him back and get, he's fine. He'll be okay. Um, but I'll go with Jalen Carter. How about that? Well, that's a good one. I'll go Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter played a lot last year, was in the rotation, started a game with some injuries. But I think Jalen Carter might be a monster this year. I mean, we had him inside our top five, right? Best player yeah. of the team. So I think I think if we're going to be consistent there, I got to go Jalen Carter. I just think the world of this guy, he's, he's a monster. He's explosive, strong, powerful, gives us some interior pass rush, um, chase plays down. I mean, he's just an absolute monster. I think he's a first round, a future first-round draft pick. So I think he's going to take a step and – I think coming into like to 2022, people across the country will know that name. It'll be talking a lot about Jalen Carter. Be very high on a lot of draft boards. I think he makes that move this year. All right, uh, moving on. Here's a question from our man Cliff. Thank you, Cliff. Cliff asks: Is Carson Beck the most underrated player on Georgia's roster? I personally believe he is way better than most casual fans realize. Thanks for the thoughts, Cliff. Always appreciate it, buddy. Kurt, what's your name, man? Is he onto something? 
Um, I don't think he's the most underrated guy. Um, I think the guy is taking a big step forward, which is helping him. But I'm not ready to say that, especially considering the fact that I think there's going to be a true battle going on, especially going into next year between him and Brock uh, Vandegrift, people like that. So I, I think at that I'm not ready to say he's the most underrated, but I think he is underrated. But the thing was um, his senior year wasn't great because his team kind of took a step back. And then, you know, he didn't have a spring practice. And so you weren't. And you weren't hearing great things out of camp during the fall when he was practicing. I think it was the biggest thing that um, you weren't hearing like he was getting better. There was nothing of like, oh, he's really coming on. Um, so I think he's just this guy who – I'm not going to take away and say he's not a good player. Um, the fact is I just think he's finally starting to get his feet wet and get more comfortable in the college system. I do think he's an underrated player. I think Cliff is on the right path here. I think he's an underrated player. I don't think he gets enough – I think because I think a lot of people, honestly – because they look at recruiting rankings, right? And it's like, what have you done for me lately? So you look at Brock Vandenberg coming in last year, five-star guy. You look at Gunnar Stockton coming in next year, who was a five-star guy. But they've dropped him a little bit now. I think he's still a five-star player in my mind. But two highly rated guys. People get really excited about. Beck was a highly, pretty highly rated guy. He was a four-star guy. Just not there wasn't as much hype around there. And you're right, he didn't have he didn't have his, he didn't have a big senior season. Lost a lot of uh, of his teammates going into his senior year. Although he had a fantastic junior year and a heck of a playoff run to the state title. As, as a junior, but he just didn't have as much of height coming in, right? So I think yes. people just automatically are just riding him out of the battle going into 2022, and I think that's a mistake. I think he will be in the thick of that battle. I'm not going to predict he's going to win right now. I need to see more from him, more growth, but he's made huge strides, as you alluded to, with, with finally having a spring practice, having an offseason, and this guy can play. I mean, I, I told you guys coming in, like he was a baseball player, first and foremost, really going to like his junior year of high school. That's that was his that was his love. That's what he did. He, that was what he did by trade. But he gave up baseball to become a full time football guy. And I told you, like his best ball was ahead of him. It was going to take a year or two for him to kind of just get there. But I think you're starting to see that happen. That process is happening now. And who knows how good he'll be next year? He's he's a, a, a tall guy, six four, about two fifteen. Deceptively mobile, can move around a little bit. Has a good arm, can be accurate with the ball. So I think he's going to be a thick of that battle. I do think he's underrated, but most underrated on the team. I don't know if I would say that yet. Um, I'm thinking about guys like Chris Smith, maybe. I mean, guys like Devontae Wyatt. Um, who else comes to mind here? Uh, maybe even Quay Walker, who's I know he's a starter, but I don't think people talk about Quay Walker like to in a way that I think is really indicative of the kind of talent that he has. So those are the kind of players I would say that maybe I would think are a little that's bit what I thought too. But I think of most underrated, some more of those guys. That's like I agree he's underrated, but most no, yeah, he's underrated. I just, yeah, I totally agree. I just don't know if he's most, but Cliff, you're totally right, man. He's absolutely a guy that needs to be talked about more as a legitimate threat to win the job in 2022. And people, I think, just write him off too much. And I, I think that's a mistake right now. He very well could win that job. He'll be right there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
Um, all right, moving on here. Let's see. All right, this is a question from Chris. It's a good question, Curtis. We've talked about this a little bit, but we'll we'll dig into a little bit here. From the outside looking in, it looks like Georgia is cooling off on the recruiting trail this year. Does Kirby maybe over-recruit? So we talked about, like, they don't freak out over the summer stuff, Curtis, but he's asking it from a, from a different perspective here. Does Kirby over-recruit? Like, look at outside linebacker, for example. They have three five-star guys fighting for two positions. All three will play, but it'll be hard for them to put up a dominant stat line splitting time. So, Curtis, do you think the fact that we do rotate so much, especially on defense, and it doesn't allow people to put up the numbers that they might otherwise put up, does that is that starting to come back to kind of haunt us and hurt us a little bit on the recruiting trail? Um, that may come back. Um, the over-recruiting aspect part, I disagree with with that idea just because as you're seeing with the transfer portal and things, people are going to start trying to recruit as much as they can at certain positions because there's no guarantee that guys are coming back. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. So I think the over-recruiting, I don't think that's ever going to be a problem because nowadays the way people can leave so quickly, you have to do it. You have to keep positions stocked up. Um the way well, everything's like, changing. Like, so that when, I, when I hear the word over-recruit, Curtis, and tell me if you – I think of like when you have – like when you've been recruited over, you have a player on the roster at a certain position, but then you recruit a player in the next class who's better than him. And to me, that's over-recruiting. Is that is that your conception of that term? Um, Yeah, I could agree with that. You're seeing some that where you're like, oh, you have so many guys to play one position. Well, the fact is not everyone's also going to become the best player. I just think, like, if, if that's what he's talking about, I mean, and I want to make, I don't know if Chris, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, my man, on, on social media. I'm just, I, I'm trying to interpret the question here, and I could be misinterpreting it. But, like, if, if, if you're saying over-recruit in terms of, okay, well, we're, we're, we recruit this player last year, wide receiver, recruit this player, wide receiver in this class, and we think he's better, so that other guy in the class before is just not going to play. Now he's got to transfer out. I'm not going to say, I, I, I think that's what coaches got to do. Like, you want to recruit the best players, right, Curtis? No matter what. I mean, yeah, look. Look at Clay Webb. The guy hasn't truly been the, the five-star that he was billed to be, and maybe he will and maybe he won't. But the fact is that you that doesn't mean you shouldn't have taken someone like Cedric Van Pran. I mean, now that guy's competing for position. The outside linebacker, it can be a problem with how much we rotate and things like that, especially like when you're asking yeah. some to drop into coverage and some to only blitz. Like, yeah, that can affect it. Like, you are going to have to realize you can't do that every time and expect people not to put up the numbers because that's what gets you into the pros. Yeah, that's that. I think Chris, you are spot on there, man. I totally agree with with you, Chris. I agree with you, Curtis. I do think that is hurting us at a position like outside linebacker, where we rotate so much that those guys just don't put up massive numbers. I mean, Aziz put up good numbers last year. It would have been a first round draft pick. That's the first guy in a while uh, under Kirby Smart because we just rotate guys and we want those all those guys to play. But it's kind of a double. You can look at it two different ways. You can also look at it and say, well. Even those guys might not put up massive numbers. They might not play every snap, but they're going to play. We can, we're basically telling them, you come in, you work hard, you're going to play. So at the very least, you're going to yeah, play. Yeah, you can get a freshman there where most people can't. Right, you can say, hey, you're, you can come in and play. You can come in and play as a freshman. Now, some of these guys are going to say, no, I just want to be the guy. I don't want to have to rotate. And so, I mean, I think it will, does hurt us with some people. But and I've heard Curry talk about this a lot. Actually, actually, we kind of talked about this a little bit in, in the, the post-scrimmage press conference this past weekend. And what he's in, in his essential philosophy is this: like we want our guys to buy in. We want everybody to buy in. We want, we want this to be a player-led program, player-led team. And to do that, you need guys to buy in, to be invested. And the more guys that you play that actually put get, get out there on the field in meaningful situations, the more buy-in you get. The more invested all those guys are. And he thinks in the long run. 
that's the better for your programs. You have that kind of total team buying. You don't have those guys who are kind of pouting off to the side because they're not getting in, they're not playing, that kind of thing. So it, in some ways, it kind of keeps your team more united. And I know that's kind of a, a different way to look at it, but I, I, do you buy into that, Chris? I actually do buy into that. I mean, yeah, even if you're not playing a bunch, playing some's a heck of a lot better than just being a straight bench warmer. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So I, I buy into that, but I also see what you're saying, Chris, and I, and I agree that it does hurt us, especially with, I mean, with some players more than others, but an outside linebacker, I think that's a, it's a great point. I think it has hurt us recently that guys haven't put up massive sack numbers because we um, are, are not, I don't say we're not recruiting well that position. We're just not recruiting as well as I think we need to and, and want to recruit that position. We're not getting guys like Aziz and, and Nolan Smith right now. Um, but I, actually I think we're okay. Like this next year, you know, MJ Sherman, Xavier and Sori, those guys are going to be really good too. But I, I think you're on something there, Chris. I don't think you're completely off base there at all. All right, one more recruiting question here, Curtis. This might be the last question we get to depending on how long it goes. But uh, Bryson has a question about our wide receiver recruiting specifically. He asks, how concerned are you with our wide receiver recruiting? Is it time to move on from Hankton? Now, he doesn't say this, Curtis, but I imagine the impetus for this question is the fact that our two most recent signees, or I should say our two most recent commitments at the wide receiver position, Dylan Bell and Cole Spear, are three-star prospects. And we kind of missed on some of the, the, the higher-rated guys in this recruiting cycle at the wide receiver position. So, Curtis, um, as Bryson asks, how concerned are you with our wide receiver recruiting? All right, Dylan Bell, I believe, is a little underrated. So, I think I'm not as concerned when it comes to his commitment. Cole I think Spear, Dylan the Bell guy is, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Cole Spears out here putting up, putting up ridiculous running numbers. He's the type of guy that would go to another school and put up just massive numbers and – you'd hear, oh, why the hell didn't Georgia get him? Like, Kirby, you idiot. Like, that's Bingo. he's the type of guy that can go do that and put up ridiculous numbers with his speed and the more he gets into it. So that's that type of guy. And then I think the rest of it, you've got to remember, a lot of these recruits are waiting to see what our offense has done because we did it towards the end of the year, but we need to do it for a whole year. So I think that once we go out there and if they truly commit to that change in offensive philosophy, then, okay, you'll probably see some more guys wanting to get on board, wanting to do it, thinking, okay, we're actually making those changes. Like, a lot of these recruits are in wait-and-see mode. I think that's why, I mean, realistically, even look at Cole Spear, someone like a five-star comes in and says, oh, I want to come in, they'll make room for him. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Dylan Bell, I put this on social media when he committed. I think he's a top 250-level guy. Having him as a three-star is kind of a joke if you watch his tape. He's no, he's just not. He's just not a three-star. He's just not. I mean, he's he's physical. He's got a good body. He's got good strong hands. He's got good speed. He's athletic, moves well, all of those things. I mean, if you look at uh, – I think it was a camp, I want to say in March. Look at the numbers he put up there. It was 40, broad jump, uh, short shuttle, all that. And you look at the NFL Combine, his numbers as a 17-year-old going into his senior year are right about average for wide receivers at the NFL Combine right now. Okay? So – I think this guy has got the measurables. I think he plays plays big at the high school level. I think he's a four-star guy, top 250 prospect. If you're asking me, that's fine, whatever. Um, and, and also, by the way, guys, the reason he got an offer, the reason we took his commitment is because our coaches worked him out, him and Cole Spear. They came to, to campus. They camped here. They worked out. Our coaches liked what they saw. They offered them, and those were committable offers. If our coaches did not like what they saw and did nothing they could contribute, they would not give them committable offers. It's just that simple. It's really that simple. Very similar to A.D. Mitchell a year ago, right, Kurt? And look at what AD, I'm not saying they're going to be as good as A.D. Mitchell and, and, and be ready year one, but there's the evidence is there already that our coaches can evaluate that position. 
Now, would I like to make sure we get our number one, our top targets at wide receiver? Yeah, I would like to see a little bit more, but you're right, Curtis. It's all about capital. We don't have the recruiting capital at the wide receiver position right now because we haven't, guys, we've had one 1,000-yard receiver in our entire program history. Terrence Edwards, 2002. That's it, guys. That is it. We just haven't had guys that have put the numbers. We haven't been putting guys in the first round of the NFL draft. That is hurting us. Okay, So you can say that's Cortez Haynes that he just can't recruit. I don't believe that's the case. Because, oh, by the way, Curtis, let's go back to that 2020 recruiting class, right? Huh. Well, Jermaine Burton, who could end up being a star, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, Justin Robinson, Arian Smith, Ladd McConkey. That's a pretty good recruiting call at wide receiver, is it not? I would like to argue it is, yes. I mean, that is, to me, that's a, that potentially, when it's all said and done, you can look back and say that was an elite recruiting hall. We don't know that yet, but it, it, it very well could end up being that. And who recruited those guys? Oh, yeah, Cortez Hankton, that dude. And then last year, when you are following up that kind of class, it's going to be, first off, you're not going to recruit as, you're not going to have as many spots for receivers in, in that next class, in the 2021 class, which we didn't, basically signed two guys. It's going to be tough to get high-ranked guys when you when they see what they have in front of them the year the year before them there's no class separation and look you're right we're not Alabama right now we, we haven't proven that we can have receivers put up those kind of numbers that's how Alabama I know you can say well Obama recruits those kind of guys year after year because they have verifiable evidence that those guys are putting up thousand yard years and going the first round of the NFL draft they got the recruiting capital we don't we have recruiting capital like running back why do you think we recruit running back so well because that's what we do. We run the football. We put guys in the first round. We're running back you. We have recruiting capital there. Del McGee's a great recruiter, but he also is recruiting at a position that we have traditionally been one of the, if not the best programs in the country historically with running backs. Receiver, that just simply has not been the case. So it's an uphill battle for, for Cortez Hankton because he just doesn't have, we don't as a program have that kind of recruiting capital. So I certainly don't. I'm not ready to say it's time to move on from Cortez Hankton. I understand people being frustrated right now because, guys, I want to get higher rated guys too. But I think Cole Spear can be a really good player. The name of the game offensively over the past couple years has become what? Speed, speed, speed. You want to push the ball vertically down the field. You need fast players like Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, those kind of guys. I'm not saying Cole Speed's those kind of players, but he's got speed like that. He's a 4-3 type guy. He has a 4-3 timeout there. He can flat out move. He's smaller, but size doesn't matter as much in college football. I mean, look at look at – Devontae Smith last year. Was he about 170 pounds soaking wet, Curtis? Yeah, about. Again, I'm not saying Cole Spears would be Devontae Smith, but you don't have to be huge at receiver anymore. It's about speed, athleticism, and that's what Cole, Cole Spear brings to the table. So, no, I mean, if this continues for a couple of years, maybe, but I think we might be seeing a, diff, a different tune at wide receiver after we put up some big numbers on offense this year. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. But don't worry, we've got a lot of great content for you the rest of this week. We're going to wrap up our summer scouting enemy series this week. I'm going to have a full episode on the Florida Gators, and then we'll have a different kind of episode. We're just running out of time. So we're going to put the last couple teams on the schedule all in the same episode and do like some mini preview. Still a deep dive. I think more so than you'll get anywhere else, but maybe just not quite as deep on each of those teams as we've had in the past. We've just got a little bit of time left before the season gets here, guys, and we have some things we want to do to uh, prepare you for this upcoming 2021 season. And don't forget about our first Instagram live session. We're going to do that Wednesday night at 
8.30 will be on there for a half hour or so, however long it takes. Might not be that long, it might be longer, it just depends on how many of you show up and how many questions we have. It's just going to be kind of an open question-answer format. We might do a little bit differently uh, as we do more of these throughout the season, but for this first one, it would just be kind of a, a question-answer format. So any questions you've got, can be Georgia football, Georgia basketball, Georgia baseball, Georgia tennis, Georgia anything, or just any random things you want to ask us, kind of like an Ask Me Anything session, and uh, we'll be happy to, to answer your questions and just have a lot of fun there. So follow us on Instagram, and that's at Podcast. But thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. We will be back later on this week. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.